Awesome date, May 18th, 2009. Awesome topic, live long and be awesome. This is the Awesome Cast. To the awesome cast. I'm Basil. I'm Eric. I'm Rail. I'm Kevin. And that is us. After waiting forever, we finally found a time where Eric actually come back to us. Yay! I'm mysteriously still here too. It's true. We're all here, and because it's a momentous occasion, we had a geek film that didn't suck. Not just a geek film, two guys, a Star Trek. For the first time in a decade, I left a Star Trek film in theaters, and I didn't feel bad about myself as a Star Trek fan. That's true, but speaking of movies where we did feel bad leaving, (laughs) it's our Dragon Ball contest. In case you haven't heard, we've got this contest where you send us an email where um, awesomecast at gmail.com, and you tell us about what your thoughts about the Dragon Ball movie was. And we'll read them on on the air, as it on were. On the air, as it were. And we'll talk about and whatnot. And the prizes, I have two Evolution posters. Our favorite email will be the winner of one, and then the other one will be determined at random. Now, admittedly, U.S. entrance only, as I can't afford international shipping. But if you live in the U.S., I can totally afford it. So, send us your emails, and we actually have two of them. Wait, they're, they're going to send us emails, but we've already got emails? Well, we've started doing this in the beginning of May. Okay, okay. Uh... <clears throat> the first Dragon Ball Evolution email we've got here is from uh, Victor. Hey, Vic. And uh, uh, lock your kids up if they're near the awesome cast <laughs> at this moment. It sucked dick. When I saw the commercial, I honestly felt like it had been kicked in the nuts. Please understand this is unusual to me. I'm immune to these shitty movies that trash uh, other people's beloved creations. A promise. If I win, I will destroy and violate the poster in a public ceremony. <laughs> Sincerely, Victor. So, now to counterpoint, from the Hazards Wake Overmind. Law, Fluffy Bunnies, D movie, awesome, law, whatever Douglas said. Oh, wait, I'm not allowed to enter this concert contest. He's not. Darn. Wait, what's this? Oh, we, we had an email from the Triangle movie from... From the Hazard's Wake Overmind, a.k.a. Lee. Lol, Fluffy Bunnies, DB Movie Awesome, lol, whatever Douglas said. Awesome. Wait, I'm not allowed to enter this contest, darn. Yeah, no, that's no, right, Lee. That's what you get for telling me to fuck off after I invite you to play a video game. You totally lose out. You dick. <laughs> and that moment of awesome drama brought to you... <laughs> by, by random passing Douglas. <laughs> he is always working. For you. Oh, which speaks of our new contest, the voicemail contest. Douglas is 
a manly knitter. Yes, that's how you know that I am so manly. I am so confident in my manliness that my manliness is untarnished by knitting. Like last week, she knit a cock ring. It's true. And I wore it. Yeah. It was awesome. Had rainbows. Well, you you, you can't get non-multicolored thread. I mean... It had rainbows that said unicorn on it. (laughs) And it was fabulous, guys. Absolutely fabulous. Anyway, speaking of knitting things... Um, the current task that Douglas has been knitting has been trying to knit a sack boy. Unfortunately, the first head created by this knitting is an abortive disaster. What are you talking about? The first head knitted for the sack boy is spectacular and beautiful. And a vagina. It looks more like a frog head. Yeah, it, 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 it's something scary, guys. I... See it more as a horrible racist caricature, but that was purely accidental. Yeah, if it had been made from black yarn, it would have been Blackface the Sack Boy. <laughs> and we're willing to send this to you. Head from Douglas. <laughs> what you all want. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. You know you want to get head from me. I am not commenting. Oh, yeah, I like how everyone went silent to think about that. <laughs> oh, I know my answer, but, you know, I'm just going to keep silent. Now, the way you enter this... Is going on this contest is going to be to send us a voicemail on the awesome line, area code two zero six two zero two zero zero seven one, and we will pick a random voicemail that we receive. Now, the trick with this one is this has to be son we actually don't know. So if you already know us and live in Huntsville, too bad. Sorry, you can't win this one. Do you We're, guys know me? Yes. Damn it. Do you guys know me? Yes. Oh. Uh, you've had you've had already had long time to examine. I've that. had a ton of head from Douglas. <laughs> Let me tell you, boys, it's worth it. You know, on the voicemail, talk to us. Tell us how I think we're doing. Any comments you'd like to make, and then leave a pause, and then give us your name or a name and address when we can actually receive this head. Not that we'll use the address. When we play it on the show. If you feel more comfortable, you can, you know, send the address via email or something like that so it doesn't get played over the air. To let us know. um, Yeah, just so. That might even be better so we actually have an actual, like, text text, version. Yeah, to remember. So we can actually enter it correctly whenever we ship it off. Probably like UPS or something. I don't know. But those are our two contests. An email one and a voicemail one. And, of course, you can always leave us a comment in the comment section. Yes, this means you too, Carrie, if you want to, you know, piss on more Mazinger Z. We'll let you have an avenue avenue for you to do that. Just don't expect any support. Carrie, swap to Prot and Tank Oldar. Different Carrie. Oh. This one's a K-A, not a... Carrie in Virginia, C-A. if you're listening to this. <laughs> I'll, worry, I'll have my death fight or something, I don't know. Anywho, that's, I think, that is, you know, our news and notes announcement, so... We'll move on to a moment of awesome. My usual musical interlude has been interrupted. (laughs) Maybe James will give us actual That's the question. James may actually just reinsert my usual musical interlude. (laughs) Who knows? All right. So who wants to be up first? Uh, I think Brad over here. He's, what are you talking about? This like is for real. World of Awesome. 
Oh, is that for one of awesome? I thought yeah, that a moment I have awesome. no moment of awesome for this week unless no, I can no, no. think up. I have done nothing awesome this, Talk this week. Talk about the awesome food place that we just ate at. Go. Why are you looking at me? Because you, you're. I you, sort of have two moments of awesome, although that I could potentially use. I've got my own. I already got my moment of awesome. Well, you don't have one. There I you do. Go. Oh, you do. Yeah. Oh. You go. All right. Oh. Up in uh, the Hunts Vegas area, there has been a serious lack, and that lack is in Choose Your Own Stir Fry. Well, that lack just got filled by an awesome place here in town called the Mongolian Grill. Stir Fry. Is it Mongolian Stir Fry? Yeah, Mongolian Grill Stir Fry or something like that. Yeah. Stir Fry's in there somewhere. Yeah. And uh, it's kicks ass. Have you guys have ever been to anything like Chow Babies? Or there's like a couple of different chains up north and out west. Uh, it's essentially, you choose your meats, choose your vegetables and sauces, and they stir it up and fry it for you. Uh, it kicks ass. It's very tasty. And we're really glad to have one. We can't wait till they get their liquor license. So we can drink booze while, <laughs> while consuming delicious bowls. And, yes. Uh, it's totally kick ass and was a total moment of awesome. And even if you don't live in Huntsville, Lord knows we can't have everyone that's awesome. The city just couldn't contain it. But I'm sure that wherever you live, there probably is something like it there. Go seek them out. Stir fry is an amazing thing. Oh, man. Oh, and Mountain Dew on tap. <laughs> well, that's many restaurants. Well, that's, well not, in the, not in the south. This is Coca-Cola country near Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we thank God for it. Yes. But I was a little surprised by the lack of Dr. Pepper or something. They were similar. out. They were out. Oh, okay. They normally have Dr. Oh, Pepper. Oh, okay. She was just, then it was just they were out. Okay. But, um... Okay, my actual uh, moment of awesome this week, though, is actually for the past couple of weeks, I've gotten back into playing uh, Star Wars CCG by Decipher. If uh, I don't know if any of you nerds out there have ever played customizable card games, but I was a big player back in my youth, and uh, probably because it was a cheap way to keep me um, from taking things apart at home. And uh, Anyway, there's actually a group of fans that have been given the right by uh, Lucasfilm to uh, create their own cards for it. And so they kind of still put out sets for it, even, God, I think 10 years later at this point yeah. or something like that. Um, it's a ton of fun. It's really neat. I've got my roommate to kind of play it with me. Uh, and if anybody's interested in checking it out, it's www.swccgpc.com. And uh, just check out the forums. Um, it's pretty cheap to get into, actually. Um, just for a competitive deck, a good deck is going to cost a lot of money. But a, like a, a competitive deck, um, you can buy from the players' committee for like thirty bucks, and uh, it's tons of fun. It's not just for Magic anymore. That's right, because um, it's that Magic is the only that oh, yeah. stays if, in business. If you guys play Magic or even Yu Gi Oh or something, and you're ready to graduate to to adult games. Come play Star Wars. Like we'll we'll graduate you from kitty school to adult to adult town, which is really weird considering we're going say we're graduating you to Star Wars. Yeah, well, that's how it works. I mean, I I've been playing CCGs since I was like eight, and I got to tell you, the two most complicated CCGs I ever played were Middle Earth, the CCG, which is a billion times more complicated than Star Wars, which is the college degree PhD of CCGs, and Star Wars, which is the uh, master's degree of. CCGs. 
I preferred Initial D. It was more of the community college. Yeah, Initial <laughs> D was the community college of CCGs, actually, it was. That's a great game, too, to find complete sets of, too. If, um, unfortunately, it's only got, like, two strategies that are number one. but Are viable, yeah. Viable. It was going to get more. And it was going to get more, yeah. Freaking Tokyo Pop effed it up. Oh, well. But that was my, that's my, been my moment of awesome. Um, I, yesterday, I... Uh, uh, dropped uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, a couple of uh, other guys, and Luke Skywalker on a lone water, and totally stomped the crap out of us that slave dealing bastard. So that felt <laughs> pretty good. I uh, checked out a demo on the PlayStation Network. That's right, I'm about to talk about PlayStation Three game. No, not I've, the PlayStation I've Three. I've never thought I would on the Awesome Cast, but I am. Um, Infamous by Sucker Punch, the guys who do Sly Cooper. And from what I can tell, it, this game gives me everything I like from Assassin's Creed and everything I like from Force Unleashed and gave me two in one game. It's a guy who can climb around the city and then force lightning people to death. And or force push. You can do both. And it's a really... The demo hit. Thanks to my um, pimp connections working at a game store, the uh, Sony rep gave us... a. An advanced demo, but everyone, the demo hits for everybody on the 21st. So only a few days from this podcast release. And if you have a PS3, go download this. Download the demo. Try it out. The game's a ton of fun. There's nothing like having a bunch of Reapers running at you, then you toss them electric grenades and watch them explode and everything die around you. Then you hop on a little light pole and jump on top of a building and just keep going. Yeah. It's awesome. It's really, it's really fun. Like, it's fun just jumping up on buildings and landing on things and then shocking the hell out of bad guys that get near you. And there's a good and bad system. And it's not really a, like, fallout level, you know, morality thing. It's actually more or less what kind of powers do you want. Like, the good side has one set of powers you can eventually graduate up to. The bad side has more darker, more red-colored powers you can buy <laughs> more, into. More, more red-colored. Red colored. Yeah. That's the color of My evil. powers are the darkest red in the galaxy. Well, the good, the good lightning's white, the bad lightning's red. I of mean, course it is. That's how it works. Something, something dark side. And something, fact, something complete. If you, apparently, if you want to in the game, you can actually be good for a little bit, then for another mission, go kill some people, become infamous, and then use those powers to to beat the, uh, beat the little mission that way, and then go get, then save some people to become good again. But, but do you ever get to the chopper? Maybe. Okay. But that's what I've been playing, and it's a good, it's a meaty demo. Like, you actually go through more than three or four missions. You get to do a more scripted mission and some mini missions on in an over, in a big, in the, in the open world stuff. Or you can just run around and cause devastation. It's, it's fun stuff. Yeah. Guess it's my turn. That's right. Okay, well, I've been playing a game that's a bit of a mouthful on the DS, Super Robot Wars Original Generation Saga Endless Frontier. It's really not a Super Robot Wars game, which it says it is on the title, and it has elements that tie it in with the other plots, but it's really a standard RPG with a weird combat system that involves time button presses to juggle your enemy in the air, because they hit the ground, they'll defend. But, uh, best I describe the plot is what if you took Stephen King's Dark Tower series, put some giant robots in it, and let the people who wrote Slayers write the story. Because it's just that weird. And it's a ridiculous amount of... 
it's a ridiculous amount of dick and fart jokes and fan service, yet somehow the characters still manage to actually be interesting people. I've seen many scenes where many large racks are at play. Yes, tits everywhere. There are tits everywhere. Well, except for the two flat... Actually, it's got a fetish for every occasion. You got two robots, two flat-chested lollies, two really big busted chicks. This is a little overlap here because there's a big busted robot, and so I'm counting her as a big busted chick and a robot. Are there any maids? No. But sometimes the robot likes to wear a maid outfit, so... Well, yeah, the one robot does... Mention does go yes, master, in some of her dialogue, you know, in that made way because dialogue's all in Japanese. That's, a, that's the dialogue I play over and over again. No, I, I have no control over that. Uh, my only complaint, and it's not a complaint for me, is all the dialogue is in Japanese. I mean, the spoken dialogue is all in Japanese, and it's, it's a not, Japanese game. How fucking dare well, that? It's also not subtitled. You but do is, get the text dialogue, but I mean, it, like, battle quotes are all in Japanese. A, isn't it an import? No, this is American. This oh, is okay. available in America. Okay. I, th- I thought this was an import game. This is not I, an I, import so game. I was about to be, you're complaining about a Japanese import no, game. No, it's about $35 wherever you'll find it, usually. Um, but it's, like, totally available in the U.S., and if there's any weirdos out there who want to support Robot Wars franchise in the U.S., like, all three of you probably already bought it. Um, buy another copy. Buy, Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's really, it's just a whole lot of fun. The combat system is one of those games where even if you're not so sure about the game, you'll make it into the, really into the combat system, uh, with the weird little juggling mechanic. But, um, that's about it. But also I want to say, in relation to today's topic, in stores, Blu-ray, Star Trek movies, the original ones, there's actually two box sets. Two box sets. There's one with all six movies that's like $90. Then there's only a $40 one that just has the good ones. Two, three, and four. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It's like the trilogy one. Yeah, so you know someone out there went, so what if they just want the good ones? Well, one one wasn't bad and six wasn't bad. No, but but they're not not good. But But two, three, and four are the best. They're kind of one continuous story. Well, yes, they're, they're one continuous story, which was neat. Uh, two is the is I I don't know about arguably, but two is the best Star Trek film, while four is the funniest Star Trek film. And I find all the two, three, and four all together very enjoyable, and those are the ones I've watched more than <coughs> any of the others. I didn't like three because three has a lot of plot hole moments to me. Like mm. three has a lot of shit. Like, well, it turns out Genesis didn't really work anyway. Like, oops, oops. like that was kind of like, we spent, we spent all last movie killing Spock over the Genesis device (laughs) that doesn't actually work. Oh, well. And, but they brought him back, so it was okay. I know, and then killing, uh, Kirk's son, we found out Kirk had a son! That's so cool! Oh, he's dead, fuck. Like, it was, it was kind of... Gee, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, if, uh, yeah, guys, if, uh, you haven't seen a movie that was released in the 80s, um, spoiler alert. Some of them weren't born here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Eris dies. Now, let's go along. Eris yeah. dies while killing Dumbledore. <laughs> the end. Hey. Now, speaking of that, I think we're going to move straight on into the world of awesome. So there's this game coming out, Final Fantasy Thirteen. Eventually. And, hey, the demo came out on... With the Edvit children, and totally had a couple of scenes. Square is the blizzard minutes of, of the fucking of... Japanese world. Except <laughs> their games aren't as good. Except for their games Anyways, aren't as good. Some of them are, that are made by But they're much party. prettier than the Blizzard games. Yes. 
And just pure sheer polygon count. I disagree. Well, maybe pure sheer polygon count. But StarCraft is a prettier, is a neater looking game than anything Square ever made to the end. Anywho. Um, now, of course, there are two versions. There are ones we on 360, ones we on PS3 now. Uh-oh, I sense Weaboo Rage. Weaboo well, Rage! Here's the trick. And someone asked uh, the producer, Yoshion, uh, Yo- Yoshin- Yoshinori uh, Kitase... Because I can totally pronounce Japanese things. Yeah, maybe you should let me do that next time. <laughs> yeah, there we go. About the possibility of getting the Japanese um, voice tracks this time. And he goes, well, obviously, when we're talking about 13, it's for PS3 and Xbox. With PS3 being on Blu-ray, there would be enough memory. But on Xbox, probably not. At the moment, we're thinking of releasing the voice in English only. Are there many people who would like to play with Japanese voices? No, we a boo rage. You want to hear it in Japanese, guys? What's What's hilarious about this news story is this will be very important to all the nerds out there, and I predict not have a goddamn impact on Jap- on Final Fantasy in America at all. Well, I mean, think about it. We have never actually gotten a Japanese voice track for our Final Fantasy game yet. I don't know if we've ever gotten a Japanese voice track <clears throat> for a Square game. I, I guarantee. We I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that if they do that and they put it on the, the PS3 one and they put it on the 360 one, right, not going to have a damn bit of difference in sales. Like, all the nerds that are all like, that want the, you know, like, Basil will buy the PS3 version, but but yeah. the, the vast majority of Final Fantasy gamers in America, and they are mainstream, will not care and they will buy the 360 version because there are more 360s out there than PS3s. If I find out there is a Japanese voice track, I probably will will buy it on whatever system has it, which would probably be the PS3. Like you said, the nerds will most, like, I'd say about 50% of the nerds will change which version they buy it for, right? For that voice track. For about half of the nerd count. When unfortunately, I think the nerd count only probably makes up 25% of the people who buy Final Fantasy, the main series. Now, if both versions start racking up unique features, I'm going to be like, Damn it, and have to make a decision. Well, um, someone pointed out, I think I got this news post off Kotaku, and I was looking through the comment section. Someone pointed out that, you know, hey, the, uh, I think the Spanish version, or the Spanish language version of Fable 2, you could actually, um, it came with Spanish only on the disc, but they offered a free download for the English voices. That would be so cool. They, be could, cool. they could technically do the same thing, and also, Square won't, but they could. They could. Um, I like to point out that Lost Odyssey was four discs long, and lot like a ton of voices on it. Yeah. They had like English and Japanese and like German and French and Spanish, like all on this game. I, I bet they could have. They took out everything but English and Japanese. They could have probably knocked it down by a disc. <clears throat> See that that just sounds to me like a Japanese guy cock waving about the fact that. You know, I'm sure a ton of the developers on freaking Final Fantasy 13 aren't happy it's going to 360. Like, they don't want it to be on the American system. I can't imagine why. they. I, obviously, business-wise, they know they need to put it on the 360 to make money in America. Because Xbox <clears throat> killed their dog. Exactly. Japan hates Xbox. Vesperia, um, not aside. But. And there's also a chance they may instead just go, well... If the 360 can't have both, we won't put both on the PS3 anyways. Yeah. Right. Let's... And we may just have it in English anyways, because remember, we've never had a Japanese voice track for the for the 
Listen, it's, interesting to, it's interesting to think about, but it's, it's just not going to make that big an impact in sales. Yeah, why break tradition now? It's not. You know, a... no, it's not going to be a huge impact on their on their sales. So now, one of the things that um, Square likes to do, or people like from Square Games, are soundtracks. We're not talking about Square soundtracks. We're talking about Capcom soundtracks instead, <coughs> which is a hilarious concept. We're actually getting some. <coughs> we're actually releasing some of the some of their soundtracks. Um, they're going to start with seven seven games: Bionic Commando, RE5, Street Fighter 4, Dead Rising, Chop to You Drop, Dark Void, Monster Hunter Freedom Unite, and Spyborgs. Hey James, you can get that awesome opening song from Street Fighter 4 whenever you want now. Ah, uh, we already pirated. Anyways, um, <laughs> you'll be able to I apparently it'll be available both at retail. We still have it, um, and online on something digital. I thought you hated that song too. Yeah, anyways. Um, so, yeah, go them. I think that's a, just an attempt to try to make uh, money with you know without actually doing anything new. I mean, CDs are cheap to press, right? right. And they're already going to make a soundtrack anyway. Because Japan loves their game soundtrack. <clears throat> so, there you go. I mean, Atlas has enough to just throw them Thief in four! with the game. Well, yes, Thief 4. Um, it was announced by EDOS Montreal that they're in the early development stages for Thief 4. Now I don't know if has anyone of us actually played Thief. Thief, I played Thief. I never okay. have. That's but... Thief kicks ass. Because I know the Eight of Rose. Daryl Surratt is a huge fan of Thief and was ranting to me at length on his worries about this game. Well, it's because Thief has been getting worse and worse. It's like, well, that and this development team has never been actually made a game in their lives. Oh well, they're a bunch of brand new developers and they're already working on Deus Ex Three. Which is another series where Deus Ex 1 was great, Deus Ex 2 was kind of crappy, and now they're making 3, and on all the early shots I think it's way more action-y than the previous ones. It's, I hope that doesn't happen to Thief, because that was the big problem with The Last Thief, was that like, like Thief has been get, getting less... It's like a stealth, stealth... It was meant thief. to be like a stealthy game, right? Yeah, it's a stealth, it was a stealth first-person shooter, and suddenly it's just become a first person shooter where you get your ass kicked a lot so we'll see what happens i mean this is idos montreal mayor idos is now owned by squaresoft so or we sorry don't. square enix i said it's pronounced idios i've always I heard wrong. i've always heard IDOS. so we may get a spiky haired protagonist who's really depressed about everything oh fuck move on well spin on of people's of spiky spin hairs spin on spin on <laughs> Well, it seems that uh, CyberConnect2, which uh, some of you may know as the company behind the .hack series, which I'm a huge fan of. He's the only one in America. <laughs> Not no. sure there's some in Chicago. And a few in Canada. You know who I'm shouting out to. And uh, uh, they also did Naruto, uh, Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm. They're working on a new project for the PS3. Now, we don't know much about this right now. All we know is that it's going to be on PS3. We don't know if it's going to be released here in America. It doesn't say. But there's going to be an event held early next month on June 6th where they will announce this new PS3 project as well as uh, something new for DS. So Now, of course, they also they've already developed one PS3 game already, which was Naruto Ultimate Ninja Blue yeah. Storm whatever. So this could be a new Naruto game and not a dot .hack game, but it'd be kind of really stupid to have their own event and announce another Naruto game. 
Very, very, very stupid, because Dot Hack is pretty much their signature franchise, so That's, I would expect something. That said, that Naruto game on PS3 is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. It is one of the prettiest games, especially the prettiest anime games well, see, I have ever <clears throat> seen. That's the shell shade one, right? That's the, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the really, really, can, really good-looking one. You can do one. some crazy shit with cell shading on the PS3. But yeah, right. I'm sure on the 362 if you really worked at it, but I've only ever seen it on the, the PS3. But, but we're getting to the point where it looks like playable animation. But right. that makes me very hopeful because the Dot .hack games on PS2, in my opinion, actually look very beautiful. And if, uh, if this Naruto game on PS3 is sort of their warm-up to going with the next Dot .hack series... On PS3, then who knows? Who knows what will come out of that? Like, but, I don't know. I, I thought that the Naruto game looked leagues better than just in sheer like output of graph, graphic fidelity that the Dot Hack stuff did. Well, the Dot Hack stuff was on PS2. Well, yeah. But even comparing that to whatever, like it was like just a major step up. Like it was gigantic. But speaking of things, but a different sort of leap is apparently so, uh, someone in Taiwan is. Working on a MMO based off Kung Fu Hustle. It's about damn time. Kung Fu Hustle. Have you ever yeah, seen the uh, Kung Fu Hustle film. Was it the one with the cow? No, no. Have you that seen Shaolin Soccer? The yeah. Have you seen Shaolin Soccer? Yeah. Then you are hopeless. We're gonna have to show you a movie later. Uh. But they're doing. It's gonna be built as a side-scrolling brawler. We may never ever see this thing, and. Based off Kotaku's preview, it doesn't look all that great a yet. A side-scrolling brawler in MMO. MMO. Yeah. That's the dumbest idea ever. Well, or the bestest idea Taiwan. ever. Oh, man, those are some pretty man tits. I was going to say, Taiwan did put out a MMO that's a SD Gundam game, so they'll make an MMO out of anything. Yes, uh, speaking of the pretty man tits, um, uh, Kotaku did a, they did a clip on well, for somebody... I think it was also on E, where uh, Bruckheimer, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, was talking about um, the main characters. What's his face? Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, yeah, it. Okay. So speaking of beautiful man tits, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer was talking on some program about the wonders of the new Prince of Persia movie they're making. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be pretty good, and it's <laughs> pretty gay. What was interesting was the clip was actually showing scenes from it, and it looks just like the mummy. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's definitely got the. Uh, it's Bruckheimer. Yeah. Like it looks like it was a guy in a big, you know, you know, Egyptian looking crowd scene fighting. But he's other in Persia. Egypt. Sorry, that's kind of near Egypt. Sort of. Not sort of, really. Not really. And it was maybe I was just. I mean, these are brief snippets. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was totally authentic Persian stuff that I have mistaken for Egyptian, but it looked kind of like the mummy. It's probably the other way around, though. It's probably authentic Egyptian stuff they mistook for Persian or thought it didn't matter. And they asked him, what does the new guy lead? Uh, what's his face? Jake Gyllenhaal? Yes. Yeah. And he go, and Brockheimer said, well, he's very handsome. And he's in fantastic shape. He got in great shape for the movie, and he's a brilliant actor, and that's what this is about. And one of those statements is false. You know he's young, he's talented, if that's what we rely on. His talent. Both now, of them. Now, if you've watched Sailor Moon, you, we he's know what two? talent... 
Talents means his talent. Oh, talent. Okay. His two man boobs. I thought I thought for guys, talent was lower. But you know, well, sure. Bruckheimer's working on a video game, a movie based on a video game. Don't worry, he has now formed his own game studio on top of it. Dear God, when will it end? Never. I can't wait for Prince of Persia the movie game. He's actually now got <laughs> Xbox and Ubisoft execs for this. Uh, one of the guys who helped uh, make let up the arrangement that were, that came out into Gears of War, uh, Jim Vivavert or Vivert Vivert. Vive Ayrt. I don't know. Your guess is good. Yeah. Uh, some guy named Jay, Jay Cohen. I was like, wow. And I certainly had this whole news post that I could read off to ad nauseum. But the thing is, is that they went, oh, hey, there's lots of big, you know, budget games that are making money. Like, you know, Left 4 Dead and Fallout 3 and Resistance. We would also like to make Hollywood-style games and, you know. Let's cash in, boys. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I don't know. For all we know, they can make the greatest game ever. It Probably they won't, but well, they're, probably... they're not going to make A Link to the Past. Like, there's no way <laughs> yeah. that these developers will come up with A Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time or Chrono Trigger. Ironically, that they're probably going to give you us exactly that, recolor everything, look American, and not even pretend to not realize that's what they just gave us. What, what I think what they really want to do is they want, they, they want to create video games that they can turn into movies. Yeah. So I have a feeling what they're actually trying to do with this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And while that's not what they said they're going to do, I guarantee it's probably what they want to do. Yeah. And they just want to say that because everyone knows that movie games tend to suck. suck. And movies based on games <clears throat> tend to suck. Uh, uh, speaking about sucking, anybody hear about uh, Square Enix coming down on the uh, Chrono Trigger fan game guys? No. Uh, yeah, like it was like 99% finished. It was supposed to release this week. It's, it's like Chrono Trigger Crimson something or other. Uh, it looked really good. They, they've taken the Chrono Trigger system and actually redone a bunch of it, so it's got, like, branching dialogue and different things when you talk to people. It was really interesting. And Square went, squish, 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 you will not release your fan game, and made them delete it. Wow. They've been working on this for five years, I think. It's still in somebody's computer. Leak it to the internet. Well, the, I'm sure it'll re- reach the internet eventually. I, I'm very positive that that some version will. And unfortunately, a lot of these things happen. I mean, there was the whole 3D remake of Crunch Trigger that those guys were oh, working yeah, on. Oh, yeah, the, the really pretty 3D remake. And they were really far ahead along. And then Square's like, yeah, that's enough Enough of that. We're, you can stop doing that now. What, what I love is that it's not like the Square was going to lose any money off this shit. You know? It's true. It's like, this is like a 10-year-old video game you made one crappy sequel to, right? Yep. Like, I mean, it's not like you, you actually want to give us more. I defend the crappy sequel quote, but I... You're yeah. right. Radical Dreamers was an excellent text adventure. Damn straight. That's right. What about Chrono Cross? What? We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it has an excellent soundtrack. But it has an amazing soundtrack. An amazing soundtrack. That's really great to play while you're playing Radical while you're playing Damn straight. So if you you have a PS1 set up, you can put the Chrono Trigger uh, Cross on, listen to the soundtrack, and play Chrono Trigger on your DS. No, no, what I use it is play, I use the uh, Chrono Cross soundtrack to play WoW with. No. When I play WoW. They have Peggle and WoW. I did not know that. Yes, they just added this. Oh. And in fact... um. Uh, Blizzard uh, just hired like uh, one of the heads of PopCap Games. They hired him away yeah. from PopCap 
to work on a new game, I'm willing to bet whatever Blizzard's new MMO is, it will have stuff like Peggle and Bejeweled built into it rather than mods. Like, I, w- I was really surprised when I found out you can actually, like, do, like, instead of rolling for loot, you can play Peggle for loot. Yes. <clears throat> and that's the best idea ever. Well, I-, I guarantee you that the next Blizzard MMO probably has some sort of mini games built into it like that. But, okay, well, that's, we've talked ad nauseum on stuff. So shall we move on into our main topic? Yes. Warp Factor 9, Mr. James. To Star, Star Trek. Trek. A word from our sponsors. Or another podcast. Or my wang. Hey, Tony. Do you like gaming? I love gaming. Do you like music? I like music. Do you like anime and manga? I love both of those. I love anime and manga. Oh, well you should try out Black Flower Music Podcast. It's like a middle school dance, but this time I'll say yes. A long, long time ago in a galaxy... Oh, shut up. Wrong star franchise. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Fighting fighting with the Gamelons sailing off to Istanbul? Yes, that's what we're on. So, Star Blazers, guys. So about seven, what, seven, eight years ago, a little movie called Star Trek Nemesis hit uh, movie theaters. I.E., was it Picard and Data both trying to kill themselves in the most spectacular fashion possible? Picard and Data's excellent adventure. I liked it with the starships hugged. Star Trek Nemesis is probably the most horrendous uh, example of Star Trek ever created beyond that which will not be named. Uh, that has the Roman numeral five in its name. There's uh, no Star Trek five, Eric. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's no Star Trek five. I, you know, I remember being a little kid, and I would see the videotape box that mom had. And, what, mom, where's five? There is no Star Trek five, Eric. But look, four, then blank, then six. There is no Star Trek five, Eric. But the point is, Star Trek Nemesis came out and crushed every Star Trek fan's soul everywhere. But I liked it when, when Picard grabbed, hopped into the Humvee and started parading it, down the desert. It, it was essentially the Next Generation cast getting up in front of the camera and going wink, 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 wink at each other. Uh, several of the main characters, as they said, were very obviously trying to off each other. Uh, and it was just generally a piece of shit, as most Star Treks have been since First Contact. And... Uh, First Contact wasn't a piece of shit, was no, it? No, First Contact wasn't a piece of shit. <laughs> um, it's the best of the Next Generation movies. But that, that being said... Not that it had much to... Not that that had much to fight with. <laughs> yeah, it was... Yeah. That being said, uh, it pretty much bombed. As I recall, I think it made $12 million in its opening weekend. It cost 100 and something million to make, yeah. right? Uh, it was a complete abysmal failure... It was the death knell of the Star Trek franchise, pretty much. Uh, Paramount came out a little while later. It was pretty much like we're putting Star Trek on hiatus. We're you know going to let the franchise. I think their exact words were like let it rest for a while. And then suddenly they were they were about to lose the franchise. As I think what happened was Viacom sort of split off from Paramount. Yeah, and they were going to take Star. They're taking Star Trek with them. If it well, I thought that was the gaming rights. I don't think that was the movie rights. I just want like CBS is about to get the rights to Star Trek pretty soon. 
<clears throat> the point is, is that a few years later, they kicked everyone, <clears throat> Rick Berman, who uh, was involved for the last few Star Treks, off of the, to the curb, and said, we're going to start this over with fresh ideas and a fresh set of creative talent. We're going to spend real money on it and see what we can get. And not shackle ourselves to 40 to 50 years of continuity. And so in 2005, uh, the development of Star Trek began. You know, uh, with uh, director J.J. Abrams, who's famous for Lost. Uh, come on, give me some more, guys. Shows on TV that are <clears throat> uh, the Clover, Cloverfield. He did Cloverfield, right? Yeah. Oh, that was oh. pretty good, yeah. Uh, who is an outstanding uh, visual director. I think we saw that in Cloverfield. And uh, I think with both Cloverfield and Lost, that he had a grip on, uh, I don't want to say nerds, but on science fiction fans. Yeah. You know, he knew he knew how to make implausible things work with reality. And still make them human while being... Fantastic. Fantastic. <clears throat> and uh, they assembled a casting crew and sat down to make a reboot, restart... Revisioning whatever other re-adjective you want to uh, re-animation of the Star Trek franchise. Wasn't like the writers on board first, and then they got J.J. Abrams? I'm not. I'm honestly not sure. I'm not. I I kind of ignored the development of Star Trek in the beginning because, like, almost all Star Trek fans universally, we were afraid it was going to suck ass. Yeah, exactly. I mean, oh, it's true. I mean, the last time I felt good about a Star Trek movie before this one was First Contact. Yeah, and every time I I saw a Star Trek movie in theaters, it was like, why did you do this to me? Like, I remember um, when we went to what was the one before Nemesis. Generation. Gen- no, no, I mean, no, no. Insurrection. 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 And that kind yeah. of blew. Yeah. Like, I remember when me and Kevin went, the best part of that movie <clears throat> was the trailer to Phantom Menace. Yeah, and that, that's sad. I mean, they had Deanna Troy trailer, and Beverly Crusher poking at their boobs and talking about how firm they were getting. This is what Star Trek had devolved into. Thankfully, it's now begun its re-evolutionary path. Um, and it's what the series needed. Like I'm, a, I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. I, I'm a the, one of the biggest Star Trek nerds you'll find. I was raised by a woman who has gold-plated Star Trek uh, uh, insignia hanging on her walls, and gave me a teddy bear with pointed ears for my birthday when I was nine. Uh, that kicks ass. <clears throat> and I got to tell you guys, we needed it. Um, I know there's a lot of purists out there that are like, oh, continuity, oh, this, that, and the other. The Mac, a Mac threw up on the bridge. Yeah, it, it's like, I'm sorry, but I wanted to have fun with Star Trek again. And I was willing to sacrifice almost anything to, to achieve that end. Turns out it just took a planet. Yeah. But spoiler warning. I mean, we don't want to. I didn't say which planet. I didn't say which planet. It what could be Earth. <laughs> it could be Dumbledore. <clears throat> So it's totally Dumbledore. Before we get into the the spoiler section, let's let's all go. I mean, we all liked it, right? I mean, yes. every, everyone here liked. It was show. a really. Good I was show. shocked how good this yeah. movie was. Yeah, it was, it was very shocking. Um, nailed all the characters. We can say that much without. Yeah. Um, and before we get into spoilers, it actually has a good explanation, although I'm not saying what of why things may be yes. a little different. And they, you know what? They they went to the the mainstream mm. fans and they said, you know, what? we will write this in. We will make this. A there's a it works in continuity, 
Like, it and it does. And it works with continuity. And it does something very, very much Star Trek with working. I mean, they were doing what they do here in the first season of the original Star Trek. Uh, and that's amazing. Like, that, that, and J.J. Abrams has said before he's not a Star Trek fan. That he did not, was not a big fan of Star Trek. He didn't really like Star Trek. And maybe that's what we needed with someone who was not afraid to cut things because, oh, you know, I, we, we liked that too much. You know, maybe we needed someone who wasn't a fan to step in and edit the shit out of what we needed. You know what I mean? What's well, interesting is I think I was reading on the media <clears throat> thing where he says he's not a Star Trek fan, but he's watched all the Star Treks. Yeah, well, he, he watched it to, to in preparation for this movie, yeah. I think. Like, and he, he, he said he kind of liked, he liked the Kirk stuff. Yeah. He, and the rest were... Bunch of space fairy adventures that happen to have the name Star Trek attached to them. Yeah. Um, and the other thing we needed, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in the non spoiler section, we needed new actors. We needed actors that had absolutely no clout with the Star Trek crowd. Because I gotta tell you what, I love Patrick Stewart. I love Brett Spiner as Data. I love several of, of the uh, old Next Generation and Star Trek actors. Yeah, the guy from Reading Rainbow. Yeah, Lavar Burton. Lavar Burton. <clears throat> but. Um, they had too much clout with the writers. Of course. They had too much clout with the writers and the directors, and there was too much, let's do this because we think it would be funny to have our characters say this, right? And as the movies went on, it got more and more wink-wink, nudge-nudge, you know, Patrick Stewart dancing in front of the camera. I mean, when we got to Picard in a drag racer, right, (laughs) it was like, okay, guys. Um, you know, ugh. It just was way too much. They had way too much pull with the writers and the directors. Too much stuff, silly stuff, got on the camera because of the actors, and we didn't. They, you don't have that with this movie, like, right? You know, they don't have any clout with this. But enough convincing about what went wrong in the past. Well, yeah, that's about what went right now. The sabotage. Oh yeah, Beastie Boys <laughs> in a Star Trek movie, and it worked. And it worked. They it was had the amazing. The fu- and it, it was the fucking Beastie Boys. We're in the Star Trek movie. Yeah. They, they play the Beastie. We're gonna go ahead and say they play the Beastie Boys, and it works. It works so well, and it's like uh, young Kirk and young Spock. The, that's not, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there are young because they're in the trailers. Yeah, um, did brilliant jobs of showing you how these two characters grew up and evolved. Yeah. Like, like the, they don't do a ton of character building with the adult characters of those two characters. They do some, especially with Spock. Um, but at the beginning there, they show you a couple scenes with both Spock and Kirk as, like, young children yeah, and, and, you, and teenagers. It, you understand where they're coming from. Like, you sit down and these, like, what is it, 10, 15 minutes total? Something yeah. like that? Like, 15 minutes explain Kirk and Spock's characters. You, you understand what makes them tick now. It's true. And it, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant way to introduce it to the non-fans, right? It was a fun thing this for the fans to see. Probably a really good film if you're not really very knowledgeable about Star Trek. Or oh, it's, a, it's a great Never film, seen yeah. any. To just walk in and go, oh. Because there's enough Star Trek that's permeated the actual general audience. Yes. That they know things about what Starfleet is and what the Federation is. I for, hope so. For example, my boss went to see this movie. On my advice, actually. like She wanted to know if it was any good. I told her it was good. And she loved it. She's not a science fiction fan. She's the farthest thing from a nerd you could ever find. She's not a Star Trek fan. But like Basil said, there was enough. She knew who Spock was. I mean, she recognized Leonard Nimoy when he was up on screen. Well, you know, they don't explain things like, what is the Federation? Yeah. What is Starfleet? What is Starfleet? But it's been, we know, the general populace knows enough about what Star Trek is that we didn't need those gaps filled in for us. 
And so the movie didn't bother telling us. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you've got half a brain, you can infer a lot of information just yeah. from what they give you. But it... I don't know. It, it was great for the non-fans. It was great for the fans. And I think um, they did just enough... They did enough major character building for them growing up to, you know, they gave us just enough to put us just over the edge when they were fully adult and in yeah, the actual Star Trek stuff. They, yeah, exactly. It... it by including those beginning fifteen minutes, we got to do. We didn't need as much character building when the action started. Yeah, and well, uh, I thought the movie was pretty well paced. There was a couple of niggling issues in the middle, but overall, I thought you know it. I went from point yeah. A to point B to whatever. Hoth was terrible. Yeah, uh, Hoth was not. Hoth was awful. Like there's, I'm just gonna call it Hoth. I don't give a damn what planet it was. They they landed on Hoth at one point. There's a nice terrible. planet. It it drugged just a bit, but but and, uh, aside from that, it worked. But I'll forgive it because it eventually gave us another character who was amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It gave us an amazing character. Um, and a uh, couple really. Yeah. So are we are we gonna move on to spoilers now or what? Uh, this is just a really was a really really good movie. And everyone should see this movie. It's, yeah. I'd forgotten what good movies looked like. Ser- seriously, guys. Like, um, just like, to cap, yeah. I, I, when I left this movie, I had the same feeling as when I left Iron Man. Yes. Like, it wasn't quite Speed Racer. But it was well, nothing ever is. Well, the trick is, my firm belief is that if they had Kirk um, in a car and he flipped over another car... That was being driven by a space viking, and he punched a space viking in the face as he was flipping over the car. Then that would be a good a speed racer, but I assume that's going to be in the sequel. Well, I figure Star Trek. I'm sorry, Star Trek was better than Speed Racer. Iron Man was better than Speed Racer. Um, but uh, lies. That that Even. aside, it was a great film. It was a great. It was film. really really good. And uh, it was a great film if you take all the Star Trek away from it. I mean, if you if you remove, like I felt it felt it stood on its own two feet. Which is something a Star Trek movie has not done, yeah, God, oh, wow. since maybe well, ever. I do think if you had rechanged, like it's, it reminds me kind of like Smash Brothers in a sense, and that even if you took everything away from Smash Brothers, it would still be a fun game to play. Yeah, exactly. It's just so much better when you include the actual Nintendo characters. <clears throat> it's the same thing here. It feels like this is a good science fiction movie. Like I would say, it. Re- in a sense, it reminds me a lot of The Fifth Element, and that I really just enjoy just watching this movie play out. Yeah, it's, it's just fun, right? But it was so much more than realizing that this, hey, this is Star Trek. And, and that just made it so much more. Yeah. It, it was a great film. So now and can we go to spoilers? And Silo is a good Spock. Silo is a great Spock. Now can we go to spoilers? Okay, we'll go to spoilers. Spoiler warning! All right, James, play some music. Then we're going to spoilers. It's time for spoilers. You tell how much we really want to talk about this movie because we want to almost immediately jump to the spoiler section. It's full of spoilers. I don't know what you can say about the film without spoilers. That's not a great movie. Go see it.
So, spoiler warning over. Okay, um... Fuckers blew up Vulcan! Fuckers blew up Vulcan! And they didn't know yeah. it! Like, this was not, you know... I kept waiting... I was waiting for them three minutes before the credits. I was going, okay, now show me how you're going to undo Vulcan blowing up. And now we undo all of this. You're not undoing it. Nope. Vulcan was still exploded. For, for maybe the, imploded, That's what whatever. happens when you deal with red matter. For maybe yeah. for the first time... In Star Trek history, time travel meant something. Because time travel was not just the main characters undoing the time travel. Because that's what Star Trek... In Star Trek, that's historically what time travel has been. Now, they've used it to do some neat things. There was the, uh... The, uh, Cisco goes back to racists. Okay, that wasn't so neat. But there was... City on the Edge uh, of Forever. City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, go Mr. Ellison, who's suing again for that. Um... The, the, tr- the second triples... The second Tribbles film uh, episode in Deep Space Nine. It's one of the, the better Deep Space Nines. Um, there's the one where the the Enterprise goes back to um, uh, and catches an astronaut from like the original space program or something like that. I can't remember the name of the episode of Star Trek Four, the funniest of all the Star Trek movies. Um, though this one, this we one have comes whales, in close. Captain. It's, it's yeah. not as funny as yeah, it's not as funny as whales, but this is coming in close. Hell, it's because they had Simon Pegg. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, God. Simon yeah, Simon Pegg. I like this ship. It's very exciting. He's the one actor that didn't actually audition. J.J. Everyone's like, call it, you're, call him, like, you're being Scotty. Yeah, you're being Scotty. And he and he put, like, his Blood and Ice Cream trilogy, which was which is Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz and the one they're working on now, mm-hmm. and he went, sorry, guys, I gotta go be Scotty for a year. And he put his own movie on hold to, to go, go be Scotty. Scotty. That's then, awesome, by the way. And it actually worked with, I think it was his wife to get his accent right. Yes. Um, it was pretty good. Not that I'm a native uh, Scottish speaker, so I can't really say, but it sounded actually, good. He actually combined two dialects yeah. of, I, of Scottish. I, I think we should first just go down the list of characters and talk about each one uh, uh, in the spoiler okay. warning before we go into the plot. James, um, James T. Kirk. James T. Motherfucking Kirk. Uh, oh my god. Chris Pine? Or Christopher Pine. Pine. Christopher Pine. Um, and he plays this role like a two-fisted son of a bitch with a 12-inch heart on the entire time. Yeah. Uh, he is going to... Punch you in the face, fuck your girl, and then shoot you after he's finished. Like, he is just... Now, he'll offer to save you, and then shoot you, because you won't take it. Well, that was the very end of the film, but... But, uh... He played... He was not... He was a terrible Shatner. I've actually heard two sides to Christopher Pine as Kirk. People who loved him like I did, like I think most everybody here did, and people who hated him. And that was because if you wanted a William Shatner... Chris Pine didn't give it to you at all. No. You didn't get any Shatner out of him. If you wanted Kirk, the Kirk character, he was Kirk. He was a drinking, womanizing, jump in and kick the shit out of people. Certainly what I imagined Kirk at the start of his career. Yes. Definitely. That's what I imagined Kirk like. And somebody, I can't remember on any cool news, and they did point out, and I do kind of wonder about this, how is he going to play him in future films? Because while that was brilliant for young Kirk, for just starting out Kirk, you've got to mellow him out a little bit as the captain of a starship. You know? Yeah. But he just exuded confidence from every pore. There's a moment where Spock is trying to have a touching if I don't survive moment, and Kirk won't let him. Kirk is like, no, we're going to do this. It's going to be cool. It's going to be okay. We'll do this. Spock's like, but the probability... No, 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 Spock. We're going to do this. Don't worry, I got this. I got this. And we got this. We we totally got and the thing was that you you suddenly felt like, yeah, they got this. 
I mean, it was just, he, yeah. you know, there was, there was the confidence. And that's what Kirk was. Kirk was a big bundle of, of confidence. And that is what Christopher Pine exudes from every pore. Um, he, uh, he, he gets the shit kicked out of him a lot in this film, actually. Which I think a real Kirk would. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, it just there's a moment. There's probably, in my opinion, the most pure Kirk moment in the entire movie. is uh, Kirk is in a bar, naturally. And uh, he's been hitting on Ahura. And this guy comes over and is like, you know, trying to keep him from hitting on Ahura. And Kirk just insults him. And the guy says, can't you count? There's four of us and one of you. And Kirk looks right at him and says, well, get four more guys and come back and it'll be a fair fight. And, yeah. and that's Kirk. Like, that's him. He's like, and he, and he played it straight. It wasn't like, I'm making a wisecrack. I mean, he looked dead serious at this guy and was like, we'll go get four more guys because then it'll be a fair fight. And, uh, so, there you go. Kirk was awesome. Uh, next is Siler. I mean, Zachary Quinto (laughs) as Spock. As Spock. Um, I kind of felt that he did a good job as Spock. He's much more emotional than, um, than Nimoy Spock ever was. There are reasons for it. I mean, they blew up his entire planet and killed his mom. Um. But he's really good about still being emotionally less emotional. And, uh, yes. Like, a lot of times, like, when he would do stuff, like, you could tell he was he was full of emotion, but he was still doing it in an emotionless way that um, I thought spoke volumes. Well, the, and he had some brilliant Spock moments. Um, when the Vulcan Council very backhandedly call, a racist, is racist to him, and he's like, you did well despite your handicap of being human. Half human. And he just twitches an eyebrow. It's all the character does. His yeah. eyebrow just twitches. And for Spock, that was, like, so much. That yeah. was, like, a pissed-off, raging glare. And all he does is one subtle twist of, uh, twitch of his eyebrow, and you knew exactly what he felt about that. And never has Live Long and Prosper sounded <laughs> yeah. so much like, fuck you guys. <laughs> um, it was totally the same feeling you get when someone gives the Chinese proverb, may, you're, you know, may you live an interesting life. Yes, Exactly. That, that was the exact same feeling I got when I was, when he was, uh, that was good. Uh, it, he, he did a great job. Um, he, uh, had a pretty good interaction with, uh, uh, Christopher Pike, actually, the, the, um, which is not the actor, but the, the okay. original captain of the, uh, the Enterprise. Yeah. I, I actually really liked his interactions with him, and I hope that in the next movie, his interactions with Kirk are very similar. Yeah. Like, like, uh, when... Pike makes Kirk the first officer. There's a brilliant little scene where Spock's like, I don't understand the human concept of practical jokes all the time, sir. And stuff like that. And has this just completely bewildered look on his face. And that was very often Spock with Kirk, where Kirk would say something very human, and Spock would just not get it. WTF, Jim? Yeah, exactly. And And judging from the scenes from the end of it, I think that's what we'll get. That's what we'll get. Which um, we are just assuming there will be a next one, so yeah. That performed better than any other Star Trek in history on the Yeah, it's weekend. almost yeah. inevitable. Um, I do have to, to say that um, he did suffer a tiny bit from having Nimoy in the film. Yeah. Because here was Spock, and now I'm having to watch Spock and I actually really this like guy the, scene, the one scene they have where Leonard Nimoy and Zachary Quinto are young Spock and old Spock and talking to each other. I actually really like that. Well, scene. I liked yeah. I liked the scene. I liked the writing. It's just it hurt the perform. It, it broke the uh, uh, suspension of disbelief 
for me over you know here I'm trying to see these these new actors as these old iconic characters I've watched thousands of times and here is the old iconic actor standing right next to him it makes it a little harder to see him as Spock. But Does that for make some it? of the I hardcore thought, fans, I, Nimoy was the I liked only thing it because I saw it as a passing of the torch. So, which, it, which it was, yeah, exactly. And That's you just had to have that sometime in this movie. Thank God Shatner wasn't in it, though. You know, they, they, uh, he got really mad about not being he in did, the movie. He did, um, he did. And apparently, I read they tried to, tr- they tried very hard, the, the, the director and the, the writers tried very hard to put him in it in a way that would have not made him too much of a that would have ru- <clears throat> that wouldn't have ruined the movie but they found it was impossible and well that's what the, well they claim is that they went to him and said we want to do this with you will you do it and he said no he then got up with his daughter on YouTube and made a YouTube video that is essentially him saying we never got any offer that's a total lie they've never ever ever contacted me about being in this movie so, I don't know who to believe, I don't really care, um, the chat's awesome, but at the same time, I think it would have hurt him to have both him in. Yeah. It would, it would have really hurt Christopher Pine's performance to, yeah. have to, to have to act next to Shatner. Like, that would have been horrible. But, Shatner's um, best when he gets to be Shatner. Let's see, let's go to the next in the tree. Uh, well, uh, oh, sorry, well, it's one of the things where, you know, you know, you know Zachary? Zachary Quinto. Quinto, like, you know... His Spock was still very similar to yes. Nimoy Spock, and so you could at least have them against each other, you know. And it it felt weird, but it was in the end, it was all right. You're right. But for you know Shatner and Pine to, to try and act opposite each other, where they're playing almost two different characters in a sense, yeah, not, it, it would it wouldn't have meshed at all. No, it would would not have worked. And Spock's presence so much so much was much. Better with actual Star Trek canon as we know it. Well, going well yeah, one exactly, and one person being in the film was much better than two people. And Shatner has already done his going back in time. Yes, he got generations. Yes. You let you let Nimoy have his film. That's a bad Shatner. We know how you die, Kirk. We know how you die. Anyways, twice. Uh, twice. Yeah, three yeah. times actually. Several times. But um, to move to the next to the trinity, McCoy, Carl Urban. Uh, Carl Urban had the most difficult of all job, I think. Um, of all of the characters, I don't think any is as distinctive as uh, Leonard Bones McCoy. It's true. Um, he and he did brilliantly. Carl Urban was the ghost of fucking uh, DeForest Kelly. Like you know, I don't know what voodoo ritual he did to to like become that. Yeah. But oh my god, of all the characters, he is the most wow. That is the old character right there like on the yeah. screen uh i was kind of upset that they changed the way he got his nickname it fit for the character but it was kind of insulting to me that they wouldn't think that the bones is called bones because the doctor of a sailing ship in a navy is the Sawbones. that's that's what right. he is that's why that mccoy is bones he's the doctor of a naval vessel well they felt that no one would know that so they had to come up with an explanation for his nickname. So they had him say that his ex-wife had left him with nothing but his bones. And it worked with the character. Yeah. It sounded very McCoy, but I, for those of us who knew why I, McCoy's nick, you know, nickname was his nickname, it was kind of insulting. It was like, okay, you don't think we were smart enough to know, you know that. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that. And I thought the line worked really well in that, you know, it did a lot of things at once. It a established the nickname, 
B, it established his reason for being on that plane in the first place. Yes. Like, it did a lot, you know, just, con- you know, story-wise as well as nickname-wise. And I thought... Well, they, they did something in this that was really weird. They turned him McCoy from a transporter phobe, which is what he was in uh, Star Trek, to a technophobe. Where he's afraid of all technology that flies or that you transport. He's afraid of all transporting technology. Like, he was scared of the spaceship itself, right? Right. As well. Well, but you were still getting on it. <laughs> it's uh, true. He has the most, Carl, he has the most um, original series lines in the film. I think out of yeah. all the characters, he has the most direct quotes. And it just gives you a shiver when he goes, damn it, Jim. And it was, holy shit. It was kind of frightening. <laughs> Well, I didn't even watch as much of the original stuff as of the other stuff. Like, the big Star Treks that I really watched were Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Even I was, like, going, man, that's that's Bones. Yeah, I don't know. I watched some shit out of original series, and that was Bones. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was. And, uh... It's probably got most of the more original lines, because he was the most, like... He was, yeah, he was the most, man. Uh, I hope he's in it more. Yeah. In, the, in the next one. See, that's the big problem with a big ensemble film like Star Trek is that you can only give a couple of characters big, nice story they, arcs. They really had to get everyone in there, like the the crew of the Enterprise, and they all got something to do, but yeah. not everyone got a whole lot of screen time. Well, if time. you notice, they sort of segmented it out. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they first firmly cemented the relationship between Bones and Kirk. Yes. And then after they knew that they had set that in stone... Then they could send Bones off to do whatever, and then they started focusing more on the Kirk and Spock. Well, this this movie was Kirk and Spock. That's what this movie was. And they're the two characters who get the big, nice, giant story arcs. And uh, the rest of the characters, not so much. And that's fine. Um, I hope the other characters get more stories in the next film. I hope we get three or four films and get all the characters, you know. I'd love to give uh, New Geeky Chekhov uh, some... Uh... New Geeky Chekhov was awesome. Yeah, you know, I have to admit that they did give a lot of screen time to the side characters. Yeah, oh... oh they the, did a really good job of... They, they did, they did a good job. Time. They did a good job of making sure every character got about... Every side character got about 20 to 30 minutes of screen time. Um, at the very least. And there, there are memorable moments for every single member of the Enterprise crew. Uh, it's too bad that Uhura's had to occur when she had no clothes on. But, uh... She had her underwear on. Look, they knew what, what, why she was there. Sadly. No, well, I think her character was great in the beginning. The problem was is that after 30 minutes into the film, she became nothing but a tool to kiss Spock. Like... That was... You know, but... Well, let's let's go on from that. Let's do, uh, uh... What do you want to do? Chekhov next? I don't know who Chekhov's real... I don't know his actor's real name. Neither do I. Um, Do we got it in here? It should be in there. It should be in the the Uh, page spread. Just keep going. Or we could hit Sulu. Uh, Carl you know Urban. who was almost Sulu? The guy who did Ando from Heroes. That would have been Anton cool. Yelton. Uh, Anton Yelton um, was was very interesting in his role. He had a much better Russian accent yeah. <laughs> than, than Walter Cohen ever had. But there's a great scene where the Enterprise can't understand him. Yeah, he's supposed to put it. He's like. Like putting ensign passcode vector vector three non human language detected vector vector three <laughs> non human vector vector three thank you ensign check <laughs> pass granted 
Um, he was very much the nerd of, of yeah. the Enterprise in this. He's the, he was uh, actually designed like Chekhov was supposed to be. Chekhov was supposed to be a young ensign. Mm-hmm. And Walter Koenig never looked like a young ensign ever right. in that show. And this guy did. He's like, he's um, supposed to be a 17-year-old. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be a real young Starfleet graduate. Uh, he's he's probably got the least of all of the main characters in the, doing the film, but at the same time, Chekhov of all the main characters is the yeah the low man on the totem pole. So uh, that made sense. Someone had to get his girlfriend killed or had to get fucked over by the alien, and none of the main cast was going to do it that episode. It was Chekhov. Chekhov yeah. Uh, but he was, it was fun. He was entertaining to watch. I felt he in, in, uh, took on the spirit of the character. I was very sad that they never had a, a Russians invented that line. Like, uh, that was Chekhov's big famous running gag, was saying that everything was invented in Russia. You know, even if it was obviously, ah, yes, gin and tonic, the great Russian drink, or, ah, yes, you know, the stoplight, a Russian invention, and stuff like that. You know, it doesn't matter Ah, yes, a margarita. Yeah, (laughs) margarita, the great Russian (laughs) party beverage. Like, that was Chekhov's thing, was everything was invented in Mother Russia. Mother Russia did everything on Earth. And uh, they didn't use any of it, so that was kind of sad. Uh, let's see, um, John Cho as, uh, as Car Sulu, I yep. felt he kicked ass. Sulu um, did kick ass. He, he nailed, he nailed Sulu's personality, like, bam. And, uh, you know, the, he, he got the fence. There's a great scene where it's like, we need anybody with advanced combat katana. training. Advanced combat training. And he raises his hand and later Kirk is sitting in the shuttlecraft with, uh, Sulu and Ensign Jimmy. Uh, and uh, he looks over at Sulu and says, so what exactly advanced combat training do you have anyway? And he says, fencing. <laughs> and Kirk just gets this look on his face that's like, oh shit. Of course, he didn't actually fence in the combat situation, but you know. He does pull out a sword. He does, he does cool. pull out a sword, which is pretty cool. Um, there's a retractable space katana. You know, gr- great part of the beginning where it's like, the Enterprise can't go to warp. Do you have the parking brake on, Ensign? Uh, no, no, sir. <laughs> you know... It's Spock like, is it this? Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then later he had an awesome scene of navigation pulling off an yeah. odd badass navigation move. So you got the you got that in there that he really was just nervous in the beginning. Yeah. Because they um, all are really young and this is like, most of them is the first spaceship they're really crewing. Alrighty. So I still would have loved to see Ando from Heroes. That would have been cool too. Unfortunately, the guy, director of Heroes like, you already took my Siler. You can't take my Ando too. Stop stealing my cast. I was just starting to make him important. Next, let's go to uh, Zoe Saldana. I think I've said her name right. There's Zoe. Uhura was great at the beginning. Yes. In the beginning, she's everything you'd want from Uhura. She's sexy. She's smart as hell. She's good at her job. She actually has lines. Um... She's strong, you know, there's a point where, where she's like, am I not the most badass fucking communicator in all of the of this cadet class? And Spock's like, well, yeah. And did I not request to be on the goddamn Enterprise? Yeah, yes, but I felt it would show favoritism. I'm assigned to the Enterprise. Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. And so you are. And so you are. I believe you're right. Click, click. You're on the Enterprise now. And that was great, you know, and her with her, oh my god. We must pause to talk about the sexiest woman that's ever been in Star Trek. The green Orion slave woman that's in her underwear that Kirk is making out with. <laughs> who is who is Uhura's uh, roommate. Yeah. Uh, uh, God, that image is just in my head now. But, uh, 
the the point is in the beginning third of the movie she's very much there very much has lines it is a very great female character and somewhere along the line she became nothing but a vehicle to kiss Spock like rather than sit back no she doesn't sit back in the chair on the bridge and do nothing but have that damn thing in her ear it's true. Like, there's actually a scene where she's actually doing the thing. Oh yeah, there's a couple, or where she can she can tell the difference between Romulan and Vulcan, and their normal communicator can't. And but her main role after that is to play tonsil hockey with uh, Siler, and that's just not cool, guys. Like next time, let's you know have a little bit more in game of her. Own. I guess it was again one of those things where they spent the first half <clears throat> of the film you know, establishing her. As who she was, and once she, once they did that, they wanted to move on. Because if you think about it, you know we got a lot of bones in Ahura, you know at the at the start of it, but then the second half they had to dedicate more to the other side characters, like Chekhov and Sulu and Scotty and Scotty, and you know had to have Kirk and Spock learning to be epic bros and bro exactly. their ass of the <clears throat> Romulans. And she is hot as fuck in, in her panties uh, at one point, so hey. Um, Uhura's is pretty hot no matter how you slice it. Yeah, classic Uhura is serious geek fantasy material. And finally, last but certainly not least, we have Scotty. And Scotty is played by Simon Pegg, and I would say he is probably the biggest deviation from the original character of all the characters. Well, I don't know. When you're talking about younger Scotty in the he, TV series He is era. a character you could see becoming the Scotty you saw in the TV show, but I do not think he was the Scotty from the TV show. He was way too excited about everything. And he plays Scotty almost like Tom Baker's doctor. <laughs> he has a very, like... What the hell is that? That's cool! Like, about him at all times. Just a childlike joy of the universe. And it really works for the character. You know, they introduce him with a big monologue where he's like, Finally, you brought me food! I've been eating, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he's just talking a mile a minute and he can't get into working right. edgewise. And that's, that's, a, that's very much an engineer. He was very much an engineer, too. And he um, had this wonderful Star Wars buddy. I don't want to say object to it, but they did have a bug-eyed alien engineer sidekick for Scotty that has no lines, yeah. who is almost the Chewbacca to his Han Solo, because no one can understand the alien except for Scotty, apparently. Like, he just looks at the alien and knows what he means. Yeah, I did notice there wasn't much of the old Universal Translator game. They actually seemed to, like, <clears throat> have to know what the hell was going on. But, well, I mean, first, that would make sense, because that's why you have Ahura. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I really like the little alien thing, because you know what they pulled off the alien sidekick thing? We haven't seen that done so well since the first actual Star Trek, Star Wars movie. And it's true, it's true. Like, it's not a bad thing. Um, it, like, it's just a little weird, like a weird decision, but it worked. Um, you know, just you always had these great lines out of Scotty. You know, he's he's always and he always talks a little bit more than than you wanted from him. Yeah. Like whenever you, he can't just say, "Sure, I've done that." Like for example, at one point, Kirk says, "Well, did this work, Scotty?" And rather than just say, "Yes, sir," he's like, "Amazingly, it actually worked." Blah, 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 you yeah. know, like despite blah blah blah, and he, and he, but he he says it in the same amount of time it would have taken a normal person to say, "Yes, sir." Like. And everyone's biggest complaint I've ever seen about, which I feel was a legitimate complaint, was the film didn't have enough Scotty. Oh, yeah. This, but they filled it in with as much Scotty as they could when they got him in there. Yeah, Scotty yeah. is picked up in the third act. Um, 
and uh, he is not in the film nearly enough. I have the feeling he will be in it more yeah. in the next few films because he was pretty popular from fan reaction that I saw. Yeah. Well, Simon Pegg. He's hilarious. Um, I'm uh, really, really, really excited uh, uh, to have him on board the Star Trek franchise. And, you know, he, like, it's... Did we mention it in the podcast already, how he was the one that was not interviewed? Yeah, we haven't mentioned it in the podcast. Uh, he did not actually uh, do an audition for this role. He's the only one who didn't. He just got an email from J.J. Abrams that was like, will you do this? And uh, You're like, hell yeah. And he's like, hell yeah. And he, he's working currently. Um, he does, for you guys, you guys that don't know, Simon Pegg, uh, along <coughs> with Ed Wright, I think is the other guy's name. Sounds, um, sounds right. Does um, uh, their own films in England. They did Shaun of the Dead and also Hot Fuzz. Now, Hot Fuzz is a movie that was good at Speed Racer. Oh, God. Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Like, I love zombie films. I love zombie films. And Shaun of the Dead was a great, great film. Hot Fuzz is ten times better. It's one of the best films ever. If you guys haven't seen Hot Fuzz, go out and watch Hot Fuzz right now. I'll wait. Okay, good. So, the thing is, is that um, he actually, and they call it the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy because there's always blood and ice cream in their movies. Right. And he was working on the third one when this came in and he went, oh, sorry, I gotta put my own giant pro- movie, making my own movie project on hold to go play Scotty. I'll be back, guys. <laughs> and would anyone else have done differently? I don't I, I don't so. think. You know, there were guys, you know what, um, you want to talk about something like that, um, uh, you know, Kuttner from House got offered a role in Obama's, uh, administration. In, administration and left House, but they said you have to come right now and leave. And he left House immediately. Uh, several people working on Star Trek got offered the same thing, and they said, fuck you guys, we're working on Star Trek. <laughs> this is way more important than working for the president. <laughs> and they stayed, and I think that shows the power of this, you know. I-, I think the people working on this understood what they had after about halfway through, yeah. right? And So I bet you if they <clears> work <throat> on Nemesis, they would have quit. Oh, yeah. But this movie was something special. Uh... And now that we've, we've kind of gone through all the cast, uh, let's talk about the only other member of really there, which is uh, Eric Bana as Nero. Also, can um, I do Captain uh, Pike? Well, we can do Captain Pike. Well, let's, do, let's do Nero. Well, what do you mean do both? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nero uh, Pike. <clears throat> Nero is a great Star Trek villain. He is the first down-to-earth, I'm actually, you know, you really felt for Nero at times. Like, even as little dialogue as he gets in the film, yeah. you understood where he was coming from. And, um, he seemed to have a legitimate beef, if a bit misguided. I mean, he called Christopher Pike by his first name. Have you ever seen a Star Trek villain go up to a, a, a Federation captain and go, Christopher, 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 you are going to tell me what I want to know. I mean, that that you know that in itself was huge for me. This, Look, I am he's Christopher Pike. Hi, Chris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who are you? I'm Christopher Pike. Hi, Chris. <laughs> You know, he was a normal Joe villain. He was not one of these fancy philosophy spouting, you know, uh, yeah, uh, villains from Star Trek. Shakespeare in the original Klingon. I mean, he's piloting a mining ship. If if you guys really want to know about the Nero character, there's a six issue comic miniseries um, that explains how this works in continuity with the rest of Trek, and it's got a ton of Nero in it, and it is, I think, almost essential for a Star Trek fan that wants to watch this movie to read this. Does it explain what the whole red matter thing is? It explains. It goes into what red matter is. Um, it goes into exactly why Spock failed. It goes like stuff that the, a lot of the science fiction was kind of just touched on in the film. The comic kind of goes into it more. Uh, why was a mining vessel armed with missiles? So like, it actually 
tells you these yeah. things. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, what has um, and there's cutscenes too that explain these things. Um, I've heard there's actually like thirty minutes of cut footage. Mm. For example, what was Nero doing for twenty five years? Well, it, apparently in the cut footage, she got captured by Klingons. And the reason that Klingon fleet is destroyed in the beginning of the film is he just escaped and got back to his ship and blew up an entire Klingon fleet. Ah. And that's where he'd been. Wow. Like, that was, like, if I had, like, any actual beef with this movie, it was, like, I, it was red matter, black holes, huh? Okay, whatever. Yeah, well, I kind of just could accept that. Well, I could, but it was, like, I, I felt they could have given this a little bit more, but if they actually... Do gives more some other avenues. I'm fine with that. Well, the thing was is that I felt that that part of what they they really had a goal for this movie is no techno babble. It's I think that was one of the and goals. The, they had. And it was a big goal they had no techno babble, and uh, and to have explained exactly what red matter is. And they and you know how you were saying earlier they didn't explain the federation, they didn't explain yeah. this or that. They did the exact same thing with red matter. The only difference sure. is we don't have any point of reference to go back to that. Yeah. I mean, I kind of inferred it's some weird, massive stuff you got to keep in a special containment thing, and if it gets loose, it makes black holes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, a tiny bit of it will do you for taking out a planet. Uh, let's see. Um, but uh, but Nero was a great villain. I thought. I think he's the best villain we've had in a Star Trek movie since Khan. Actually, uh, I was really happy with him. And uh, Christopher Pike. Let's you know Bruce Greenwood. He did a really good captain. He was a great captain of the Enterprise. Uh, it's a little weird promoting Kirk immediately, but, you know, hey, I, I can deal with it. Well, I mean, the guy knew Kirk's father. Yeah. I loved the line. He's like, I need a combat team. You and you, and you too, Kirk. You're not supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he had a lot of great lines. I mean, the guy really wanted, you know, Kirk to be somebody. Yeah. And the guy, well, it seemed like it was like, because he was a guy that was got Kirk into Starfleet anyways. And so I'm sure that, you know, that was probably his, you know, golden boy, as it were. It, it you know, he played, a, he played a great Starfleet captain. Uh, he had a little touch of humor, but at the same yeah. time, the, the air of seriousness. He had what I'm hoping Kurt gets more of later, which is that he should show humor while at the same time I'm having an aura of command. If there's one thing that Kirk never quite got, it's an aura of command in the sense of military command. Kirk was the guy that was going to jump in screaming and you jump in after him because it didn't make sense to do anything else. <laughs> but that's not quite the same as a military commander. I feel what Pike gave me is what I would have wanted if Shatner was in the film. Yeah, exactly. And I think this guy honestly did it better than Shatner could have. <clears throat> I don't know. For what, for what he was doing with Pike. I, I don't know about that, but he did do a good for what job. what the character needed to do, he would, did it better he did than a great Shatner job. ever would. Uh, that, kudos but. all around for that. Uh, Instant Jimmy was great. Um, he had an actual name. We don't. Remember. We don't know it. He was in a red shirt. <laughs> they Jimmy, had a red shirt. Jimmy ass kicker. Yeah, they had a red shirt. And they had what a red shirt too. I can't wait to kick Romulan ass. Yeah. And he was just falling. Like, Woo! And you know, somehow it didn't click in my head that he was basically like, okay, Kirk, Sulu, Ensign Ricky, let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Sulu, Kirk, Ricky in the shuttle. <laughs> Uh, we should have known how that was going to turn out to begin with. <laughs> oh, Eric! As soon as like it happened, he like he like he he leaned over Susie. He was like, "Hey, hey, red shirt, <laughs> yes, red shirt, bye bye." Yeah. <laughs> and he had a truly horrific death too, yeah. which was great. Uh, 
let's um i guess that's pretty much all character wise um that's everybody so i guess we move on to plot of the film we sort of discussed the plot already yeah in there in our ramblings i I will i do want to say that there were a couple plot holes um the only one that was that for me ever snapped the suspension of disbelief was shooting kirk out of a pod in mid-warp onto a random planet I don't care who you are. I don't care how enraged you are. You don't just shoot guys out of your... your you just don't pull your first officer, load him up in a pod, and shoot him out on a random Well, planet. I said I want him off my ship. And there was a Federation <clears throat> outpost there. He just landed nowhere particularly it, it, near I'm it. I'm sorry. That was just silly. It was the entire reason for that was to get Kirk to Spock. Old Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to get Kirk to Scotty. It's true. Uh, which, which was cool, and, and like I said, as soon as we got finished with the monster scene, it's like from the moment they shot him to the pod to the Hoth Space monster, it was stupid. Well, I guess they wanted to get at least one scene where they were on an alien planet. I think they just needed they, they needed an action sequence, and they couldn't think of anything else other than an alien life form, right? Um, and, and then we got to Old Spock, and everything was fine again. Yeah. Like, Old Spock brought a torch in that moved the methane gra- uh, waves of crap that were starting to fill the screen away. And, it's, like I said, it's only, what, seven minutes long? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not long at all in a two-and-a-something-hour movie. I was movie. actually sort of hoping, just for a moment, the weird, hideous space monster would have gone like, Hello there. What are you doing exactly. here? <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> are you in need of assistance? <laughs> I'm Federation Officer Squeaky. <laughs> Zigma click click, but uh, if you're listening, J.J. Abrams, do that in the sequel. <laughs> but uh, it was still cool. Um, was was really really cool. Uh, oh, and and uh, Kirk being born on the Kelvin. I I don't know for some reason that was a little weird. Like it didn't jar me out of like my, my suspension of disbelief or anything, but that was a little, I guess, melodramatic. The yeah. damn melodramatic moment, though. Yeah, but I guess I was... I guess I really, really wanted Kirk to like despise the Federation at first. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, and I, I was cool. You know, like I said, I, they worked brilliantly. Oh, man, the, him just trying to talk to his wife normally. Yeah. While he's on the... You know, all he wants is these last few seconds to talk to his wife. You know, like nothing's going on. Like he's not ramming, you know, this yeah. vessel, vessel coming out of nowhere. Was brilliant. Brilliant writing, brilliant acting. I don't know. I thought it did a really, really good job of setting the stage and going, oh shit, this is Star Trek. Yeah. And not quite how I've seen, you know, uh, let's see what else. This done before in so long. <clears throat> uh, I actually, in the end, I liked the camaraderie between Kirk and Spock. I thought they did a really good job of putting them th- together. Oh, yeah. The especially, especially the scene. There's a scene where the Nero's getting sucked into a black hole and Kirk turns an officer to assistance. It's a very unkirk move, and it's obviously something he's picked up by hanging out with Spock, right? Yeah. Like, to, to be a little bit calmer in what he does. And Spock and him turn around and have this little conference where Kirk's like, yeah, you know, and, and Spock's like, S- help him? Surrender? Really? Yeah, I figured you'd like that. Good move. Good move. Diplomatic. No, not in this case. I don't really like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, it's this little moment, and it is very much, yeah, Kirk and Spock are comrades. They're, they're starting to be they're friends. They're starting to pick up things from each other. Like, it's oh. it's what you get, you know, it's it's almost sort of the Ronma moment, where you know that Ronma and Connie hate each other, but that means they like each other. Deep down. Only this time it was Kirk and Spock, and unlike a Takahashi work, they actually got together in the end. And, uh, 
<laughs> in a very uh, heterosexual way. That's right. And then then there was uh, uh, old Spock with Spock. That scene was great. Man, I bet freaking you know. Why didn't Zachary he, had to feel freaking weird. Why didn't he? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure it was intimidating to be what, there. With why Dr. didn't Nimoy. he tell me about you? He may have gotten the idea that that would cause an implosion of the space-time continuum. Why would he think that? I may have implied that. <laughs> you you uh, you lied to him. I implied. Oh. They should have just gone ahead and quoted. I'm, I exaggerated from Star Trek uh, too. Yes. But still. But and I kind of, I kind of liked how old Spock got to do the final. This is the voyages <clears throat> thing, and he doesn't leave. Like old Spock stays in the past. <laughs> Nothing gets undone. Nothing gets undone. I, I did like see where it's like. Well, obviously, I need to quit Starfleet and help repopulate our our species. No, no, no. I got this. <laughs> old I got Spock, this. I'm good. <laughs> old Spock to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> Now, young Vulcan ladies, <laughs> let us adjourn to the Spock quarters. <laughs> I've already picked out a planet for us. It's icy, but we can keep it warmed up. <laughs> this almost actually does happen at the end of the movie. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, uh, just great movie. Uh, had fun the whole time. Had fun with every character. Um, Shall nothing- we- Nothing made me mad. Shall we pause, do a music interlude, and then go into our How Many Awesomes Out of Awesome? That sounds like yeah. a... Uh, All right. Fucking awesome. So play some interlude. Factor 9 awesomes, come on. An entire grain storage bin full of triples of awesome. So which numbered movie is this? Population 9 awesome. I think this All is... All Zero Prime or something. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Star Trek 6, Generation 7, First Contract is 8, uh, uh, Instruction is 9, Nemesis is 10. 11. Uh, so it's 11. This is 11. Star Trek. It is the first good odd Star Trek movie. So, first good Star Trek movie out of awesome. Yes, basically. Or good, even. It's more like odd, whatever. Odd. Star it Trek One odd. Prime or something. <laughs> Star Trek Zero, the re-released 1990 special edition. <laughs> it really is Star Ultimate Star Trek. It's Ultimate Star Trek. They, they, they yeah. don't fix anything with the time continuity, so it's a parallel universe that can now develop however the writers want it. To. And, and it's, it's uh, yeah, Basil's got the nail on the head. If you guys out there, and I know some of you have, have read Ultimate. Iron Man, Fantastic Four, but before it turns shitty, uh, X Men, Spider Man—that's what this is. This is Ultimate Star Trek. Hopefully, it won't turn shitty for quite a long yeah. time. Hopefully, this is Ultimate Spider Man Star Trek, not Ultimate Fantastic Four Star Trek, where the writers go batshit insane. Or the after first couple of Ultimates, and not the later Ultimates. Yes, or or the Ultimates Volume One, Two, not 
the ultimate, three. the ultimate volume three. But anyway, folks, we've been talking about Star Trek by itself for an hour, so I think we are out. Out. Beat me up, James. Engage. Make it so. Wait, aren't, aren't you now using the wrong things? No, ladder. Fuck it, Picard's awesome. <laughs> well, it's true, but man, no one's Cisco. Yeah, Dago. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That's so racist. was the first. Yeah, Dago, bastard. Damn, stop this right now. This was Have you guys ever wondered where Cheetos go when you're finished eating them? Have you ever wondered what happened to that hamster you swallowed in fifth grade? Now you can find out with new Tumocam. Tumocam capsules are swallowed orally. They have a small wireless using Wi-Fi technology allergy, uh, camera. For that $5 was, more, you can get Bluetooth. Uh, I don't know if you want tooth down there. But, uh... <laughs> It'll send pictures directly to, to your DS of what you're inside your gastrointestinal tract. You could even use them as a practical joke. Here, little Billy, have this vitamin pill. Now let's see what your anus looks like. <laughs> and we'll post it on the internet. Guru will never be the same again. What was the From name? the makers of Exploding Condoms. <laughs> Ba-dum-ba-bum. We're watching you. <laughs> Gastro pill. It's for the really freaked up. Okay, we're stopping that now. Right? <laughs> <laughs>